Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. Welcome to Missing in Canada, an ongoing series by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Missing in Canada. In this episode, we're going to be revisiting a story that is set in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Back in April 12th of 2016, something was clearly happening in 16-year-old Michaela Bali's life. But that's about all we know for sure. She did get dropped off at school, but she didn't attend classes. Instead, she walked a twisted route around town, making a series of puzzling stops along the way, each one piling mystery upon mystery. And then, at some point mid-afternoon, her trail simply ends. Now, six years later, her loved ones are still attempting to follow the clues left behind in hopes that they'll lead to Michaela. Longtime listeners of Nighttime will remember Michaela's story as her mother Paula Bali joined us shortly after the first anniversary of her disappearance. But there have been considerable updates, developments, and listener requests for a follow-up since then. So let's get into it. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, I'll be joined by Canadian crime video creator Madeleine Klein to revisit and provide updates to the disappearance of Michaela Bali. Six years ago on April 12, 2016, the last time anyone saw Michaela Bali. She wasn't engaged in dangerous or risky behaviors, no mental health issues, no substance abuse, no temper tantrums, no threats of running away, no sneaking out. When invited to sleep over, she's a kid who usually phoned by 11 and said, Mom, could you pick me up? She was a homebody. Paula is the mother of Michaela and has been at the forefront of the search throughout the past six years. Michaela was seen at the Broadway Tim Hortons before she was captured on video at the Yorkton bus depot, the last sure sign of her in six years. Michaela's disappearance is so disconcerting because it was just an ordinary day. The night before, she was working on assignments. She said she'd finish them up tomorrow and packed up her homework. In the years since Michaela's disappearance, Bali says over 600 tips have come into her personally with sightings and information eventually leading them to look internationally for the missing daughter. Oh, Maddie Klein, we have a, a big discussion ahead of us tonight. I hope you're, you're settled in. I, I was just going to say, I remember to beverage this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a lot to get into. But before we do, what's new with you? It's uh, I think we last talked about it a week ago, last Thursday. Has, yeah. it, has it warmed up in the weird west? It has. It's only, I think, minus 15 or 20 or something like that, but we're getting a ton of snow. Oh, no. And Do you have to shovel or any of that kind of stuff? I can physically feel the feminism leaving my body when it's time to shovel. <laughs> and I refuse. So oh, I, my bright orange Mini Cooper, I just plow right through those. Oh, you're bags. one of those, those snow drifts, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, I'm, I'm such a dad. When it snows, I'm just like, we're on. I'm so excited. We're on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same when it's time to mow my lawn, I get so excited. I, I've, oh. Somehow I've turned into like that man who's like, stay off my grass. That's me. I Yard fertilized you, little type. pricks. <laughs> Old man yells at cloud. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's me 100%. Well, we have uh, a mountain of new details and developments and, I don't know, probably a lot of red herrings in 
what is probably one of Canada's most often discussed and certainly most mysterious missing persons cases. We're going to be talking about Michaela Bali, who disappeared from Yorkton, Saskatchewan when she was 16 years old on April 12th, 2016. Regular listeners of my show will likely recall Michaela's story as I first covered it not long after she disappeared. I had her mom. I think it was like 15 months after. Okay, yeah. So a little over yeah. a year after she disappeared. I just I just listened to the episode. Did you? So okay. That's why I know, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was I actually considered going back and listening to it. But then when I started reading the new updates, there's been so much new information that I didn't even want to listen to the old episode because it would have messed up my, you know, the timeline and stuff in my head. When, when I first did that episode, the information that came out on my show through the interview with, with her mom at the time was the most like detailed, accurate, up-to-date information. Over the last month or so, or well, last week or two weeks of me going through articles about Michaela, I realized that, oh man, the, this case has just blown completely wide open to an extent over, you know, in the, the years since I covered the case, but we're still no closer to Michaela than we were when I covered it you know, a year ago, um, you, you're out West. What is th this case? Is, is it as bigger out there than I would perceive it being here on the East Coast? I think on the East Coast, if I went knocking on doors, I, if someone's into, you know, this kind of stuff, I, people would know who she is, but I wouldn't say it's high profile on the East Coast. It's, it's very high profile over, over in the West, even, even today. Um, I would be surprised if you were to ask anyone and if they didn't know who Michaela Bali was, I'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. She's become, unfortunately, um, a household name, just like Tamara Keepness. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and it, like, I have also covered her on TikTok and mm -hmm. everyone from the smallest towns you could think of said, oh, like, I remember seeing her posters. Oh, I mm -hmm. just saw a billboard of her. And yeah, she's she's still talked about today yeah um and that's a good thing because i i think this case when we if people don't know it as we go through it it's very horrifying because i think all of the details hint at something nefarious happening at least that's how it reads to me and we'll get into that but it also it centers around a story where Michaela Bali, like the way her mom described her as what's remarkable about Michaela is that she's doesn't stand out in any specific way. She's just a typical shy, kept the to herself. The epitome of normal. Yeah, didn't get into trouble, didn't do anything risky or weird. And just like a regular person who seems by all accounts to get dropped off at school, does a bunch of weird stuff around town and just vanishes. But everything she did on the day of her disappearance just makes you go like what the hell is that all about you know and it's just like a, a series of what the hell is that all about kind of things well and one of my main concerns is was it just a one-off day that the the school didn't notify anyone of her absence I because that. like that's like she was in high school so mm -hmm. that means she would have had four or five classes and they take attendance at every class mm -hmm. when I was in high school, which wasn't that long ago, like I graduated in 2011. Okay. And by the time I was in grade nine or 10, they stopped calling and started emailing. <laughs> so you couldn't even beat mom home and erase mm -hmm. the voicemail. Oh, damn. 
So I'm just like, I'm a little bit confused as to how she slipped through the cracks. And mm-hmm. like, was it just, was it a one-off good timing? She picked a day they didn't call or are they notorious for not? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. You know? Cause it's, we'll, we'll, and we'll maybe we'll get into some of that as we talk through the timeline of, I, I, I kind of thought the best way to break this down is talking about the day of her disappearance and then kind of zooming out at things that happened around that. So as you just hinted to, this story really starts with uh, Michaela should have been at school. She was dropped off at 8.20 a.m., dropped off at her school, which is Sacred Heart High School. Her grandmother had dropped her off, um, which is typically a typical normal event. This is how she often got to school. When I did the interview with her mom, I remember her mom saying, like, I even recall getting ready in the morning with her that day, and there was nothing weird or unusual. It was a regular day. Michaela she said, to- even in hindsight, mm-hmm. it's she didn't do anything out of the ordinary. Yeah, just a typical day. Michaela gets dropped off. She walks into school, goes to her locker, puts like a, be- a, a book in her locker, but police have said the book is nothing remarkable, just some random book related to her class. I think it was her binder. Yeah, binder. Yeah. yeah, she puts it in her locker and then leaves the leaves the school. Does not attend. Like immediately. Yeah. She not, was in and out of there. Or over a period of just minutes. And, and minutes, yeah. Sixteen years old. What would that be grade like eleven? Grade or maybe it's different so. out west. In Nova Scotia, I think that would be a grade eleven. I think I would imagine, yeah. Just what, April? So yeah, I imagine she was just ending grade eleven. Okay. Depending on where her yeah, her birthday was in July, so she was turning seventeen. Oh yes, that would make sense. And I and I yeah. do know her class graduated the following year. I remember talking to her mom about the graduation. Um Right. So following through her timeline, she gets dropped off that morning, goes in the school, drops off the binder, leaves the school without giving any specific message to anyone, including her friends. Um, Although we will get into stuff she said around this period of time. She leaves school, her first stop in what I would consider downtown Yorkton. She goes to a TD bank and withdraws a small amount of money. She withdraws. I think it was 55. 55 bucks, which that's not going to get you far. No. I imagine like that. That's an odd number. Was that everything in her account? It or almost everything. It must have. Yeah. Been. I did hear read statements from one of her friends where Michaela had recently told them she had five grand in her account. But I read then that. that's been disputed. I think her mom actually said no. She had nowhere near that. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's all the money that was in her account. And one of the things that uh maybe hint to that being the case is after she leaves the bank, she goes just a couple buildings away, there's a pawn shop. Uh, she walks in the pawn shop with two rings that she's trying to pawn. Not valuable rings, though. They would have, they were low value n- to the point that the person working at the pawn shop didn't even think it'd be worth their time to make an offer. They were just like, yeah, yeah no, we're not interested. And what they told police is that she didn't react in any way. She wasn't upset or anything. She's just like, okay, and left the pawn shop. Right. She didn't seem distressed. Yeah. Uh from there, much like many Canadians, uh, she takes that $55 in a big heavy backpack and she goes to Tim Hortons. It's now just after 9 a.m. when classes would have just been starting. And uh, the videos of 
there's actually two Tim Hortons visits she'll make during this day, and video of them have been released. Uh, I've watched them several times, just kind of getting a read on her body language. The first visit to Tim Hortons at just after 9 a.m. sees her walking in, buying a coffee, sitting down and playing on her phone, basically, is, is what it looks like to me. It looks like a, a young woman sitting at a table, playing on her phone alone, just kind of looking around. There's nothing spectacular or odd about it. She stays in there for about 13 minutes. She leaves Tim Hortons um, and doesn't really go anywhere. She just kind of they've put pieced together her day through various surveillance video that was picked up by neighboring businesses. And if you look at a map of Yorkton, she just this seems to just be kind of walking, wandering aimlessly around the area near Tim Hortons, which is kind of, I don't know. But it, it, And in all video footage, she seems calm, cool and collected. Yeah. Just walking around. But yeah, when she's just like chilling, killing, it just looks like it would never stand out. But one thing, when you say all the video footage, what all the video footage does show, she's often on her phone talking and you can even see her lips moving. But um, and that really becomes important because according to her um, cell phone company, she never made any calls that day. But in almost all of the security video that we see, she's she's on her phone looking to be answering and making calls in texting, um, but that becomes a part of the story. And anyone who knows Michaela's story will know that um, she seemed to have been using not her cell phone to make calls, but an app within the phone. People believe it. I think it's K I K Kick, which is yeah. like an a, like a. It, it could have been one of many. Yeah, she could have been using. There's lots WhatsApp. All you need is Wi-Fi. So I imagine that's why she was hanging around Tim Hortons or wherever so she could calls. get free Wi-Fi. Yeah. And one of the reasons they know the time she came and went from school is because they figured out when she when her phone connected to the Wi-Fi at school. Yeah. Actually, until right now, I never even thought about why she was lingering in Tim's. Maybe it was so she could be on the Wi-Fi using like WhatsApp or some kind of app to make calls. Yeah. Well, I like I went to Europe in 2013. And that's how I communicated with everyone at home was WhatsApp. Hmm. And it was like kind of new at that point. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. You only need Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I remember like hanging out in the main areas of my hostels because that's where the best Wi-Fi was. Oh. My room was always usually too far away. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, that's likely what was happening. So she leaves Tim Hortons at about. Just before 9.30 a.m., she wanders seemingly aimlessly in the area around Tim Hortons. She returns a second time to Tim Hortons at 9.50, sits at a completely different table, but same thing. She's using her phone, talking on the Doesn't phone. Does she stay for longer this time? Yeah, like this 40 was... 40 minutes? Yeah, this was about a 40-minute visit, and but it did include at one point she got up and left and then walked right back in. It had a, a lot of and her... Looking towards it's quite the door. obvious she's looking, she's watching for someone. It's waiting it. for someone. Yeah. In, in both visits in Tim Hortons, seemed you can see her looking towards the door a lot. And just trying to read her body language, I can tell she's like uncomfortable and she's like frantically texting, making calls, like something. It's so clear that something's going on. And when we get deeper into the timeline, I think it'll even be more obvious. But the second visit at Tim Hortons. She leaves after about 40 minutes, 
again, wanders a little aimlessly around town, but she returns to school. And this is really the last like official confirmed undisputed sighting. She shows up just before lunch. She goes back to Sacred Heart School, um, but she only spends maybe five minutes in there. She it, it looks like what she does is she goes into the lunchroom. She talks briefly with two friends and this will be one of the, I guess the next like WTF kind of moment in the story is she tells one of her, uh, these two friends that she's planning to go to Regina, Saskatchewan on some kind of, she didn't really explain much, but it seems like as we get into it, she told a lot of people she was going somewhere and these well, particular and, people it was Regina. And earlier at Tim Hortons, cause I don't believe she goes back to Tim Hortons. Um, she asked we later find out she asked a woman if she would rent a ho help her rent a hotel room mm -hmm. so that's yeah yeah when they interviewed this woman she was unclear whether like michaela was asking for money or just help renting the room yeah but regardless she was looking for a hotel yeah there's so. it, it, when you look at what she was doing like before the day of her disappearance and some of the finer details of what was happening that day uh, I, there's a few options that that there can be but we'll, we'll dig into them separately Let, let's uh, finish up the timeline is she shows up at school she tells two friends she may be leaving for regina or she's planning to, to go to regina one of the friends believes she had two cell phones they thought they saw two cell phones so that's another what was that all yeah. about and that's just that, you know, let's say she has three messaging apps on each of these phones. But, it's a, it would be impossible to, to track. Oh, oh certainly. Um, yeah. But, but a 16-year-old, it's not going to be this like digital mastermind that could have multiple phones to evade detection. Could they? Am I that you never out of know. touch? I don't put anything past any Gen Z. Okay. Let, well, let the youth lead, y'all. Well, I'm glad I got sons. <laughs> <laughs> so Michaela spends those couple minutes in the school she leaves and I should also say when she's leaving the school the surveillance video showing her walking out of her school is that I believe it's like um 12.05 so just after new after lunch and uh, that is the last like video like official confirmed undisputed confirmed sighting. sighting yeah from there she goes to the bus station in Yorkton there's a little like kind of restaurant sort of area. She orders a poutine. She eats. Um, and the the waitress didn't see Michaela leave, but other customers afterwards came forward and said they saw her leaving uh, at around one o'clock. Out the door. Okay, so of she the was bus there station. for a bit. Yeah, had lunch and yeah. which wouldn't would like would have just blended in, young woman having lunch at lunchtime. But uh, I think a big, a big uh, flag about this restaurant is it's connected to a bus depot. Yeah. And Michaela had just told people earlier she's going to Regina. And one of the things that she did at the restaurant is she went into the bus depot and she asked when the next bus is going to Regina. They said it's, you know, it's uh, I think it was five o'clock, you know, five hours from now. And she declined, didn't buy a ticket. So well, that's too late. Five's way too late. Yeah. That's at least like at least something we know for a fact that something was going on that was encouraging Michaela to leave Yorkton, possibly to Regina. But 
that that doesn't tell the whole story because there's so many other things that are going on that lead to lead you to your, your brain to go in in different directions so what we just did and I, and I wanted to start with just a basic timeline like we did like we just went through there it's just so people who don't know the story know the basics of of it but now we can kind of dig into these individual kind of moments in a bit more detail i'm samantha cole host of the new season of understood the pornhub empire over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Aaron Habel of Generation Y, and with me is Jack Luna of Dark Topic. We'd like to introduce you to Marooned, a new podcast that's sure to capture your attention. Tales of the catastrophically lost are what we have to offer. Hikers swallowed by the woods. Explorers discovering nothing but destitution. True crime calamity. Oddities of harrowing human experience. It's a museum of misadventure. So pack a lunch. Subscribe to Marooned wherever you find podcasts. We are waiting. Please hurry. Thank you. Before we, we get into the individual moments uh, and, and break them down, when you first heard of Michaela's story, I th I believe I was first told of it as like, it's a likely runaway. Like people think this girl ran away, you should cover it on your podcast. I'm pretty sure that was how it was told to me. And it wasn't until like I talked to her mom and got a bit more of the story that I started to think, no, like this is probably someone from the internet who like you know scooped her up in some capacity well, what was the version of the story you recall from the beginning uh well it was huge news mm -hmm. and it was covered by every media outlet i remember it i was 23 in 2016 mm -hmm. and yeah i remember reading about it and i immediately i was like she someone took her mm -hmm. she is i think she trusted someone and she should not have trusted them and I think she, yeah, unfortunately found out very quickly. She, she was in a bad place and mm -hmm. the rest is history. Yeah. And it's, um, as we go into the, the details of like what she was saying and what exactly she was doing during these various kind of moments in her timeline, I think it's pretty obvious that there was someone she was communicating with and was in the process of meeting up with them. But what I can't understand is was the meetup like her going somewhere with this person or staying with this person in Yorkton because it seems like throughout the day she's both trying to get money go somewhere else get a hotel room seemingly in Yorkton get you know it just it doesn't make any well and then there was there was no sense. signs of her running away none of her clothes were taken none of her makeup her mom had a bunch of cash that she knew about. She didn't take that. Yeah. I, I remember her mother telling like, me that there was a, they kept um, kind of like an emergency fund in the house that had like a yeah. couple grand or something. Michaela knew where it was. And her mom said, like, if I considered if she had to run away, I went and checked to see if that money was still there. Because if she ran away, she probably would have taken it. And right. It was all there. Um, but at the same time, 
hearing what she says to her friends and the action she takes, she's trying like desperately to get money for something. So yeah. let's go through, um, let's back up from the, from the day of her disappearance that we just briefly outlined to the day prior, April 11th, because a lot of her friends uh, have spoken to police and were featured in a CBC article where they share kind of their last memories and their last conversations with Michaela in all of them tell a story um, and tell a lot of stories as, as we collect them. So the day prior to her disappearance, there's this lunch meetup where Michaela and a group, a group of her closer friends from school, they go have lunch together at some fast food place during lunch hour. Um, during, in, in my head, I guess there's like the theater of the mind happening here, but I'm picturing like a table at like McDonald's with like a bunch of kids and everyone's talking in, and the reason I am picturing that in my head is no one has like this definitive, clear statement Michaela makes, but they all seem to be like, I think she was talking about this and that. So one person had said Michaela had mentioned going to Moose Jaw. Another person said she recalled Michaela saying she was going to Prince Albert. She told someone else she was going to Regina with her family for a vacation. And then another friend meant, uh, recalled Michaela talking about traveling to Saskatoon. So like, how, yeah. that's a busy lunch hour. And that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. But, but it's all, th those would all be cities that you would get a bus to from Yorkton. Like it's all in that area. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, PA is a hike. PA would be, it's, Yorkton's two hours from Regina. I'm not exactly the best at geography, so I don't know how far it would be from PA, shorter or longer. Mm. But, but like Regina's four hours from PA. By bus, it would be like five. Yeah, but they would all yeah. be cities, places totally. you would get a bus to in that area. It's not yeah. like just going across the country. And No, 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 no. Yeah, and it, and it would also be the kind of place where if you met a guy online, let's say, or a girl online, and they were you're in Yorkton and they're in Prince Albert, you know, and you had a connection, it wouldn't be crazy to be like, I'll oh, come down for the weekend. Right, yeah, and especially to a 16-year-old, anything is possible and the world's not that big. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Another thing she said during this lunch is um, she told a friend that a man that she had met online named Christopher was coming to Saskatchewan, coming to Yorkton, Saskatchewan to meet with her. But they didn't, no specifics, no date. They just recall her mentioning this. And so when I talk about how I'm picturing this as just a bunch of kids at a table, I'm picturing all these conversations just kind of going on and it's chaotic and people are just remembering bits and pieces of what, what she said, because I, I, I can't make sense of that in any other way than in that context. Well, and especially because at the time they had no idea that they should be listening super mm -hmm. attentively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they weren't super listening because they didn't have to. Yeah, that's it. They point. didn't. Yeah. Um, after this lunch, uh, another statement that's made but by what this is by one of her teachers uh, said uh, for the class that she went to after the lunch, like that afternoon, the day before her disappearance, um, the teacher did speak to police in recalled uh michaela standing out as being upset in some way during class so yeah Visi no description visibly. beyond upset but at least enough that you know something is going on yeah now after school about 4 35 p.m the day before her disappearance 
uh, this is where things start getting really weird. Um, okay, um, I'm going to leave out the friends' names. I'm just going to refer to them as like a close friend because there's several friends, but at the same time, they're all like at this time, 15, 16. I don't really yeah. want to get into it. But at about 4.30 after school, the day before her disappearance, she asked one, one, cl- one friend, tomorrow morning, can you take me to the bank? Around 6 p.m., she called TD Customer Service, her bank. Uh, she actually called them three times doing things like just minor banking things, checking balances. She transferred $25 from one account to, to another, but she's clearly thinking about money. She's, one friend, take me to the bank. She's calling she's, the she's preparing. 1-800 number. Um, that night, she's also texting throughout the night with friends. She told one friend, actually her ex-boyfriend who comes up in the story a lot as being very helpful it seems like he worked closely with police and shared his text messages and he's in no way a suspect but one of the things Michaela had said to him the night before her disappearance is that he was going to be going to Regina she was going to be going to Regina for a couple days because she was unhappy and and that's like there's no way to misconstrue that I, I think already with what we have she was trying to get money. Something was going on and she was trying to get out of town seemingly yeah, for, for somewhere else, somewhere close by, but not Yorkton. Yeah. Now we can get into a bit more about her phone calls, her activity on the phone and what we see in Tim Hortons. So we, we talked briefly how there was two separate visits to Tim Hortons. Both of them the the surveillance video captures her entire time in the store so we can get a very good idea of what she was doing sadly we can't hear her telephone conversations but in both of these visits she's on the phone likely through one of these apps that um, hide your information and confidentiality and privacy and all that stuff likely using those for communication well, the, she had to have been because there's no TELUS records. Exactly. So it's for sure she was. Yeah. yeah. And, and another thing that was I've learned about cell phones uh, in researching this case, uh, and I don't know if it's this way everywhere, but at least with Michaela's phone carrier in Saskatchewan, uh, it tracks incoming and outgoing text messages, like the time, who they're from, where they're to, but it doesn't keep the actual message. So when police were putting together her timeline and what she was saying to whom they were able to do that by their by her friends letting police use their phone to see what the messages right. were about. I, I would have assumed the police could just get all of that stuff. I imagine the space it would take to store that mm. the cost would be astronomical. I guess so, the amount of text is what I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I, I just I guess I never th- considered it i just kind of took for granted that the idea that they would be able to see this but um but regardless her first visit to tim hortons the one that was just after 9 a.m she was there for about 15 minutes when i watch the video of this appearance what stands out to me is that she's ravenously texting and talking on the phone she's looking at the door a lot I can imagine, again, using theater of their mind, I can imagine her being like, you know, I'm at the Tim Hortons on this intersection. Are you coming? Are you outside? And, you know, looking over her shoulder at the door. It, like, that's the vibe I'm getting is that she's meeting she's expecting someone. someone. It seems as clear as day that she's meeting someone. One thing, though, 
that is really weird. You can't really tell what she's doing, but at one point, it looks as though she takes a phone apart. And this has come up in a couple news reports. It looks like she's like taking pieces off of her phone and then puts it back together and starts using it. But what I thought of, and I don't know if this could be connected to what she was up to, but my mom travels internationally a lot. Like she goes away for the winter and she has multiple like SIM cards that you would put in your phone for traveling. And I know yeah. when my mom has to, like if she's going to Asia or something, she'll, she takes, it doesn't take her phone apart, but she takes pieces off to swap out the SIM cards. Oh. And in, and in Michaela's video and in the video of Michaela, she's far enough away from the camera that you can't see well what she's doing. But to me, as I was looking, I'm thinking like she could be swapping out a SIM card. That I had never thought of that. Yeah. And then but if you it's think, very possible. And something was up because another friend said she had two phones with her. So it's like, could she have been swapping SIM cards from one phone to another or you know, well, and I thought maybe it was like a battery issue. We've all had a shitty BlackBerry with mm -hmm. with a shitty battery that you have to, you know, tinker with. But they kept calling her phone after she went missing and it just kept ringing until the next day. So there wasn't a, a power issue or battery issue with the phone. There, yeah. In fact, her so, phone was active until like 7 a.m. the next morning. So yeah. it doesn't seem to be that. I'm putting my money on something to do with the SIM card. Uh, I, I bet you're right. Yeah. But she eventually she leaves this Tim Hortons. And now another thing I'll say, actually, before we leave Tim Hortons with her, she had like a large backpack with her that it's uncomfortably large. Even when you see her walking, she's got a big backpack on it. She's not a big, a big girl. But yeah. um, her friends have said she typically would travel just with a purse like around school. So this and that day she had a backpack, a, a big heavy backpack. backpack. And it's the kind when you see her sit down at Tim Hortons before she sits down, she takes the big thing off, puts it on the chair and then sits down because it's yeah. like she might as well be lugging like a small suitcase behind her. It's like, you know, it's that kind of thing. I would love to know what was in that backpack. I was just going to say because her mom didn't report any any of her belongings missing. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing clothes, it's, so. I'm guessing it's a couple days worth of clothes in there. It had to have been or like mm -hmm. a big bunny hug or something. Um, yeah, but it's again, she's, she's traveling. At least it seems to be with $55. Yeah. So she leaves Tim Hortons the first time, as we said. And again, um, but she returns about an hour later. This second visit to Tim Hortons, though, is the one that uh, really blew my mind. When, when I was learning about the developments in her story, from the first time I covered it, it's the second visit to Tim Hortons. Uh, some of the things that she did in there that really made me question what was happening. Um, and again, I watched the CCTV footage multiple times of this. And when Michaela comes back again, the day of her disappearance, after about an hour, she comes back to Tim Hortons for the second time. She sits in a different booth. This time she's facing the entrance. She as she walks in, she's already on the phone and you can see her lips moving. She's talking to somebody. She sits down in a booth, takes her big backpack off. She's looking towards the door. She's on the phone. She's texting. She's on the phone. She's texting. She looks kind of agitated to me. She doesn't look like she's comfortable in any way. And again, in, at one point, she kind of gets up, leaves, come back, sits down. But the part that's most interesting, and you mentioned this just briefly earlier, in I watched the CCTV footage of this particular moment uh, several times because I can kind of see her inching 
for, she's on a little like uh, in like one of the booth style seats. She's kind of inching towards the end. She like kind of moves her foot. So her foot's kind of like off the from underneath the table. And I can see that she's tentative about like getting up and she's texting in this position. And then all of a sudden she just lifts herself up and she just walks over to this old lady at the table next to her. And the reason I, I talked with that big build up to this is as I'm watching it, I'm thinking like Michaela is trying to build herself up to confronting someone and she's trying yeah. to like hype herself up. I, I could see it. Uh, she goes over to this other lady. She says something to her. You can't hear what And you see the other lady look up at her like from her seat being like, you know what? I think Michaela says, like, can I sit down? Because after they have this brief exchange, Michaela sits down at this little table with this little old lady. They talk briefly. You see the old lady shake her head no. Then Michaela gets up, turns her back to the lady, puts her big backpack on. She fiddles on her phone while standing next to her table before just walking out of the restaurant. And as she walks off, I, I was watching kind of the body language of the, the little old lady, I'm calling her, that, she, that Michaela approached. And I could see that lady like lift up her head from her coffee and watching Michaela walk out of the restaurant, which tells me that that lady was like, what was up with her? Like if someone that was odd, yeah, yeah. If someone approached me and did something weird. I wouldn't make it obvious, but when they had their back to me, I definitely watched them and see where they totally. were going. And, and I feel like that's what this lady did. And you had talked about briefly earlier what, what she had said. So tell us again, what did Michaela say to this little old lady? So Michaela ended up asking this woman if she would help her rent a hotel room. Mm -hmm. So hell, we're, right? un we're unclear. I imagine she meant in Yorkton. Um, but we're unclear of whether she asked this woman for money for a hotel room or if she just asked for help to rent it because she wasn't 18. Mm -hmm. But regardless, it's it's a sketchy question for anyone to be asked. Certainly. And I, I guess I would have thought like if someone came up to my table, like a young girl and asked me that, I would think maybe she's like homeless or something. Or I'd think like, is this like a scam? I don't know what I would think. But th this conversation wasn't long. The lady was like, no, I can't help you. And it didn't go much further than that. But and because it didn't go further than that, Michaela wasn't able to elaborate like, you know, just like you said, do you need money to rent a hotel? Do you need my credit card? So it's yeah. you know because you're 16, they won't rent to a kid. Um, but she was serious about getting a hotel serious enough to approach a stranger at Tim Hortons. I just I don't think that was her idea. I think she was prompted to do that. I get the, I'm thinking the exact same thing. She's on her phone up to the second that she approaches the lady. And as soon as the lady says no, the, like one of the first things she does other than walk away from the lady's table is she's texting again. So it's very easy yeah. to picture, imagine her saying like, I just asked someone, they won't help us yeah. or help me. And for the record, when I say like she was for sure meeting someone, I have never thought she was meeting someone in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. I think she, from the get-go, was looking for, waiting for a ride. I don't, whoever was coming to get her was not coming into the building. That's, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of thinking, in, where she's walking around aimlessly a lot too, I'm thinking someone was kind of like, if she was talking to someone, I have a feeling that they were not being clear about where to meet, and they were probably trying to find the right spot to meet her, yeah. and maybe delaying it a little bit and sending her on a bit of a wild goose chase. Or that, they were coming in from out of town. That's how it seems. And needed a little bit of time or 
someone messaged someone else and said, hey, can you do me a solid and mm -hmm. pick this girl up in Yorkton? Well, one other thing she did um, while during uh, like during the second visit to Tim Hortons, she one of the close friends, uh, one of her closest friends, Michaela, texted her, um, hey, I need help. Right. Th that was at 1012. Then I think a half hour later, she wrote I think back it was 20 minutes. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. She wrote back. Never mind. I figured it out. This friend had left her phone at home, though. So and, she didn't get this message till three o'clock or three thirty. Yeah, yeah. And this was also another underage um, person she was texting. So I'm, I'm assuming it's not about the hotel, but she also right. she had asked friends for a ride to the bank earlier this day, the, the night before. She asked someone to take her to the bank, and I'm she was there before it opened. So that like the the trip to the bank and mm. the pawn shop were very important yeah that's right she was the first person to the teller that morning yeah she she I showed up at the bank before it even opened and she showed up at the pawn shop as it was opening so she whatever she was, was on going mission. on yeah whatever was going on she was on a mission to get money and either get a hotel or get a bus ticket to somewhere and i think the fact that she didn't take the money from her mom tells me she expected to come back Whatever she was doing, she probably knew it wasn't right or she shouldn't have been doing it, but she was fully expecting to come home. With this case, I can't think of a theory that ties all of these things together other than possibly someone talking to her and this person unsure of where they want her to be. Get a hotel and I'll meet you there. Get a bus to Ooh. here, you know, walk down this street, go up that street. Because, again, she's it seems like she's all over the yeah. place of get a hotel, get a bus, walk in this, you know, this randomly just. Um, but the next bus leaves too late. Like what's. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I have a feeling when she went up to the counter and asked about that bus ticket when they said five o'clock, I, I bet you if you saw the video of it, she's texting before. Absolutely. She, no yeah. doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, so only other thing about her timeline uh, to get into in more detail is uh, one thing I want to clear up is when I did my prior episode, uh, 14 months or whatever it was after her disappearance, the big lead at that time and the the person of interest everyone was looking for is when, when she had left the bus station, um, She again, she went to the little restaurant connected to a bus station. Uh, at about noon that day of her disappearance, she was seen by another customer leaving. And they they said uh, initially that she was leaving with a, a man who had a couple white bags in his hands and a, t a tattoo of a flaming cross on his forearm. Right. So in the early days, that a, a drawing of like a, what that tattoo was thought to look like was circulating. They were looking far and wide for who this man was that picked her up at the bus station with the flaming cross tattoo. And I recall talking to her mom about who this guy is. And it turns out in, in the time after I did that episode, they found this guy. He came forward himself. I was going to say he turned himself in. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, I was like holding the door for, I was holding yeah. the door for some girl. It was just, and police ruled him out. So just by circumstance, he was holding the door for her as she walked out and somebody saw that exchange and remembered his tattoo. Wow. It's kind of crazy, right? 
Oh, that's, yeah, that's nuts. Um, his name, or I couldn't find any details about who this guy is, but all, I guess all we can do is trust that the police ruled him out. I think... Well, I think the fact that he came forward himself and is like, I think I'm the one you're looking for. Yeah, I got that tattoo and I was there that day. I remember a you know, girl yeah. with a big bag. That's what that's what you get for being polite. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no good deed goes unpunished. Is what yeah. I often say about my kids. It's like, Daddy, I want a sucker. And like, here's a sucker. I want four suckers. <laughs> like, oh, shouldn't have given you one sucker. They got me. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so far, we have a pretty good idea of what she was up to, where she was going, what she was saying, what she, I guess we're left uh, speculating on what she may have been doing. But there are several suspects. I say suspects loosely. There are several people in this story that um, that are brought up as... People of interest. That's a great way to put it. The first is this Christopher. If you remember in the as we were talking through it, uh, the day prior to her disappearance, she talked about a guy named Christopher coming to Saskatchewan to meet her. Immediately in my mind, I'm like, okay, that's that's the guy because he did it yeah. yeah that's what i'm thinking like some guy online met her and was coming to saskatchewan to pick her up and god knows what they did find this christopher police were able to figure out who he is and um he lived somewhere in the states yes yes that's right and he d he met her online through instagram is what he said um okay police did search his home searched his mother's house um and uh, he's he was questioned heavily by both Canadian and American police. They have said they do not believe this Christopher is involved to give a sense uh, involved in whatever happened to Michaela to give a sense of their relationship, though. Um, CBC has a like the a long form piece about Michaela's disappearance. CBC managed to connect with this guy. He declined to be interviewed, but he, he did send them like a short statement. And it says in part. All I can provide you is that she suffered with self-harm a few years back. Back then, I was helping those who struggled, and I encouraged her to fight against self-harm and look towards God. That's a little weird, right? Yeah, that's kind of just like, whoa, she met a crazy creep. Yeah. Uh, so Dodged a bullet there. I guess her his story is I meet people online who are involved in self-harm, and I try to talk them out of it and get them to turn to God instead. And a little bit of a god complex um yeah uh, but, but where where does the whole like he's coming to saskatchewan fit in because that's that's she told people uh yeah she well and, and didn't he say that people that. they hadn't spoken in years or yeah. in in maybe not years but months like for sure they had become friends they kind of fell off they spoke briefly again for a period of time and then he said he hadn't talked to her um, in a while i think so but there's also another guy that had a similar end, a, a, a fella named Josh. There was also a Josh that came up that she was talking Jeff. to. Um, this guy uh, has been connected to the case simply because she had mentioned his name a few times to friends leading up to it. Um, he he had said that they had been friends. They met at like a Bible camp or something years prior she was at a yeah. bible camp and he lived in that community and they met they yeah, connected like brew or something like that yeah it's they a connect... small town outside of yorkton yeah church bridge oh church bridge i was church right. bridge, i think is what it was they uh they had connected there 
talked online, drifted, but they reconnected in the like the weeks and months leading up to oh, her disappearance. Oh, that was okay. That was him. Um, same thing here. Police interviewed this person. They've identified him. Uh, they don't believe he's involved in any way. So these two, these are the only two kind of like, if you want to say romantic interests or the only two like kind of people that you would see in that, that way, not to say she had romantic interest in them, but these are people who are the opposite sex that she had been talking about leading up to the disappearance. According to her friends, other than these two guys, they don't recall her mentioning any other guys. I thought that she had mentioned other guys, but they never got names. Okay, that could be right. I thought there was about, uh, I thought her friend said that she knew she was talking to at least five Ooh. men from across wherever, the province, the country, the globe. Um, and because her friends felt concern because mm -hmm. they said like, I would totally talk to people too, but I would never meet with someone mm -hmm. off the internet. Um <laughs> Just before we get too deep into it, do you have any doubt that she was planning to meet up with some guy off the internet? Because in, in my I, mind, it I have all no doubt there. in my mind. Yeah, she was. I yeah, I think it was a man, and she was. And I whether it was a romantic interest or whether she was just looking for a friend and maybe felt a felt safe with this person, felt a connection, whatever. She was meeting up with a man. It it has to be yeah yeah. Um, the only other person that. Uh, people look to as a person of interest or suspect. And this is a controversial one. Um, after her disappearance, someone had come forward online mainly. And I, I think I even gotten emails from them after I did my first ep my episode about Michaela all those years ago. Um, someone came forward saying, I'm her, her biological father. Michaela was raised without knowing, according to her mom, who her biological father was. And I believe... I don't know if her mom had said she doesn't know, but she doesn't believe Michaela knows who the biological father was. And this man had come forward writing lots of stuff online about his daughter being missing, Michaela Bali. He, I think he started a Facebook group devoted to her. Um, Michaela's mother, who's certainly her biological mother because they look identical to each other. Um, Michaela's well, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure she was there. In she the would know. Room. <laughs> I don't know how any of that works. So I'll, I'll, I'll trust you. I know you've been to a hospital before. Um, but, <laughs> but did. needless to say, uh, Michaela's mom says this man claiming to be her father is not her father. Uh, and bizarre. I know, and it, and it seems like just like every high profile missing persons case there's kind of a wedge dry driven through the online community that's discussing it where it's kind of like there are people that seem to be on the man claiming to be her biological father's team uh and there are people on uh, more so on on her mom's team and they don't kind of mix um i don't i don't like i i don't know a lot about the drama there but i know there is some Me drama either. Um, I that's about what I know as well. Yeah, but needless to say, this this man claiming to be her father, whether he is or isn't, I have no idea. Um, but what I do know is that police did investigate him as well and also say there's no evidence that he was with her that day or no evidence that he's involved. They searched his house and it it doesn't seem like he's involved in any way. And yeah, uh, and whatever family stuff is going on seems to be outside of the actual events surrounding 
her disappearance. Yeah. Even like I, I remember seeing one of his posts and it was like, yeah, like I haven't been around for most of your life. So he the last 16 years. <laughs> Missed those but 16 yeah, years. I thought I was just like, oh, that's, uh, you know, that's really sad. But then later I heard her mom say like, that's uh, no, absolutely not. So yeah, like, that's, that's that's a weird weird thing to do but yeah but families are weird and when something like this happens Michaela is a regular person from a regular family and regular families got weird stuff and this and everyone's this got seems skeletons. to be yeah this seems to be their that family's weird thing yeah this, this um the, the dad stuff and it just it, it throws like everything in the case it's just another kind of weird detail likely red herring but when a 16 year old goes missing and nothing about their last known activities makes any sense. Like, you know, everyone who's involved in them in any way needs to be spoken to. You've got to go down yeah. every Avenue possible. Mm -hmm. And sadly with Michaela's, there isn't a lot of avenues. We have all these little weird tips, but that's about, that's about it. Her, her, the day of her disappearance, her grandmother shows up at school to pick her up at three o'clock. Michaela doesn't come out of the school, so her grandmother goes in, talks to like you know the school administrators, and they say she wasn't here that day, and that starts the search. But there's there's literally nothing. There is no social media activity, no bank activity, uh, no phone activity, no confirmed sightings after her leaving the the got the uh, bus station. I there's thought, not even. I thought a a little. A odd little tidbit was that her friends sent her a snapchat after she had gone missing and mm -hmm. it was opened three days later yeah that is that is weird her because michaela she again she's last seen one or two o'clock that day they find out she's not at school around 3 30 they start you know calling friends and trying to track her down so everyone's you know texting her and stuff but yeah one of her closest friends said uh, a snapchat message which will show if the person you sent to sees it yeah um it uh, a couple days later yeah it showed as red Two days but later but police so have... that means her phone died and was recharged because her phone was ringing until seven o'clock the next morning when it was yeah and that they so say someone that hooked it up yeah but at the same time like that's um a t like that that idea that it shows as red is very interesting but police have said multiple times that they had there they haven't been able to confirm that that message was actually red okay if they make that statement i don't know like it maybe there's a reason it could show as red when it wasn't actually red but i don't know if i send some could be a glitch I, if i send Stranger you a text yeah if i send you a text and i'm like are we recording tonight and i see it's red and you didn't write back i'm like oh my god we're probably not recording tonight right yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my uh, God, we're so it's like those like when it shows as red you know if you use text and you know you know what that means but yeah. maybe maybe police aren't willing to hang their hat on someone had her phone using it yeah and but, i thought oh in your podcast with uh her mother paula she said she continued to pay for her cell phone bill yeah. which like broke my heart yeah but you'd have Oof. to, especially when you get this idea that maybe the phone, like maybe a text marked as red or maybe someday she'll call. Because when, when I spoke to her mom, she said, like, my fear is that she's like chained in someone's basement somewhere. I remember her saying that to me and just being like, holy shit, like this is real. And like, uh, imagine she never even left Yorkton. Yeah. Yeah. And it's well, a possibility. Mm -hmm. 
But, but oh, yeah. Yeah. As as far as theories, so there's there's no nothing was ever found other than the moments that we gave. Unless police are holding something really close to their chest, we don't know really anything else. As far as theories, so far we've talked a lot about this idea that she met someone online who we can use our imagination. And in, in, we just had in, um, was it in Manitoba? Um, there was the, or was it Alberta? The Amanda Todd case. What what's province is that in? I want to say BC. Port Coquitlam, BC? That's British Columbia. Yeah, because that's where they yeah. were. They, they just had that case. And when I was reading about Michaela Bali and, initially but especially reading this updates i thought of amanda todd where amanda todd meets this random lunatic on the internet posing as someone else who's extorting her and terrorizing her there there are these people online who go will go so far with a young woman and her young man or, or anyone else whoever yeah yeah and it's not crazy to think that Michaela may have just come in contact with someone who wished to do someone harm. And for whatever reason, they were able to manipulate her into, you know, meet me somewhere, come to Regina where I am, or, you know, uh, well, and it happens on... all the time. Yeah. No it... one's, no one's safe. And like the young mind is so fragile mm -hmm. and especially at 16, all you want is to be accepted. All you want is love. And, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you feel like you have talked to someone and, you know, feel that connection with them, you'll, you'll do anything, right? So she may have met someone online, wished to do her harm. There's also, of course, human trafficking, which is not this uh, foreign concept. It happens here in Canada way more often than you think. And it happens to regular people like Michaela Bali. So that's a possibility. Well, and I, I didn't realize that until I posted about Michaela. I guess Yorkton is kind of known as being like a, uh, I don't know how to put it, like a route, I guess, mm -hmm. for sex trafficking. I'm right. not sure it's the hub, mm -hmm. but it's it's known for weird for well, large yeah probably because tra it's a, transit if you will yeah probably because it's a smaller town surrounded by larger places so it'd be kind of like a hub that they could use and in nova scotia we have a city outside of halifax called truro and it's there's nothing really spectacular about truro but if you look kind of on a map that if you're traveling between any of the kind of major cities on the east coast of canada most of them take you near truro and because of that like years ago, the Hells Angels motorcycle gang set up kind of shop in Truro because it was like uh, prime a prime area to do drug trafficking from because you have access to everywhere from there. I could see something like that with Yorkton. Unfortunately, makes sense. Um, another thing with Michaela, this is a uh, her mom does not uh, give credence to this theory, but there are people who believe um, Michaela was having some kind of crisis and may have been may have been taking steps to end her own life. I don't know if you read much about this. Um, a little bit. The the man that we I had mentioned the Chris said she had she was interested in or she was involved in self-harm. There's been other statements made about her like cutting herself and being depressed. Um, her mom had told me that these were exaggerations and or not true. But that's something that's out there. But one thing that I think is worth noting 
is Michaela had several Instagram and social media accounts, but it seems that her main Instagram, I don't know when this happened and I haven't seen anyone was able to tell us when, but the photos with the exception of like one or two were all deleted in the description of where you would write, you know, who you are, where you're from or whatever. It just says goodbye. And I think that could just be like a, I don't know, just kind of an edgy thing a 16 year old does. Right. And very, yeah. I know 30 year olds that delete social media, you know, three times a week mm -hmm. and then get it back. And they tell you so, each time, right? Like I'm leaving. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, that it could have just been bad timing for her to do that. But yeah, that was, that's weird. I forgot about that. Um, One thing I just want, I, you had said earlier, the friend open uh, sent the text message to Michaela and it was read three days later. It was actually, I, believe, three. I, th I believe it was months. I believe it was two or three months later. Oh, I, c I oh, could see, be wrong. That makes it even weirder. I'm looking at my notes here and um, my note says a close friend sent Bali a message through Snapchat on the day she disappeared. And now, and then I have in quotes from the friend, somebody opened that message about three months later. And that gives us a little bit of hope. So I think I think it may have been months, which is yeah, which is even weirder. And it wouldn't right. and, and that doesn't seem like it could be a glitch. No. Of some was, sort. Was someone using her phone and accidentally opened it and they were like trying not to all this whole time? Well, there's also like weird things can happen with a phone. There was this situation, um this is really kind of dark and weird. Someone I know from high school, they they had died um five years ago seven years ago i think by suicide and uh they're on twitter and they had social media and stuff just like everyone does and it was this like shocking uh, traumatic moment for everyone who ever knew this person um and just like when people die they're they're social media accounts become kind of like online shrines where people write like thinking about you today miss you this sort of thing Totally. All of a sudden, their Twitter account kind of like woke up and started tweeting stuff. And people are writing like, who is this? Is this some type of like sick joke? And they were like tweeting like something about like basketball or something. And then the person said, wrote like in, in their Twitter account said like, I just bought this phone. Like, why are you messaging me? And you could tell like it was someone... He's like, I just oh bought this God. phone from Tell. Like, I think, it was, I don't know if it was Telus or what, but he's like, I just got this phone. Um, how do you get my number? Why are you messaging me? And, and it seems like what had happened was, I, and I, I could find the messages, but I think he was like, I'm, I'm only 14 years old. Like, I don't know who you are or something. And it seemed like some kid got his phone that had access to his apps um, and didn't oh even know God. what was going on and was like responding. And then eventually must have signed out of the account and there's no other activity. But I don't okay. know how that, isn't that nuts? Well, this, this kind of makes sense because I have a friend and um, her sister-in-law passed away, but she obviously isn't going to, oh no, so she doesn't have obviously Snapchat anymore, but my friend is not going to delete her number. Mm -hmm. And on my friend's Snapchat, because obviously her sister-in-law's old number was, re you know given out under people um she may know is her sister-in-law's name because the phone number was given to someone else because the emoji is like some east indian man hmm. but and she's like it always kind of makes me smile when i see it but 
that would make sense hmm. if maybe it was the but her mom kept paying for her phone so her phone number shouldn't have been reassessed well, if you will but it wouldn't but or reassigned I you, you would be a paying for the like the plan the phone plan but the actual physical phone like if let's say if your phone was like i don't know yes. like at, you buy a phone at a pawn shop or something the physical plan would be connected to like the sim card but the actual that's right phone yeah could be you know you get and on wi-fi and all of a sudden you're like start getting these messages popping up that should have been going to someone else you know right so with yeah the the guy that I was talking about who was on Twitter, um, that seemed to be what had happened. The kid, the person writing didn't, you could even tell they didn't even know how to use Twitter. Oh, that poor kid. Yeah. And poor everyone involved. Right. That's yeah. oh. Yeah. But with Michaela's, it's the jury's out as completely, there's no, there's no prevailing theory, but I think everybody at, at this point now going on six years later, I, I I don't think people are expecting a happy ending. I, the the way I see this is, if there even was um, human trafficking, it's six years have passed. Would would there not have been some reason that she would have surfaced or been found? It's a high profile case. Could she well, not have? Some people don't want to be found. Um, I hope that's not the case with her. But there's there's just been one reported sighting that stuck with me. Um, I can't remember what year it was in, I think 2018, but it was a man from Edmonton. And he reported this in, I think, August or September. And he said, I just saw this poster. And I, I think I talked to this girl back in March. Mm -hmm. He said he, re he remembered her because she was not only like super out of place. I think he met her on like a smoking patio in Edmonton. Okay. She was super out of place, was like super sweet, and naive. And she used the name Michaela. Hmm. And he was just, and yeah, so he remembered her months later, sees this poster and called it in. Um, I also, I know someone personally who is sure that they saw her, I think in Vancouver and they oh. actually called, called it in and was like, I saw her. Um, but yeah, I've always, I've always maybe thought that she, she got herself into a situation. It was she bit off more than she could chew and then got herself into trouble and then maybe was too embarrassed to to come back or you know like i said the mind's fragile was she brainwashed is she convinced otherwise that you know she her family doesn't want her home i'm not sure mm -hmm. but i've i've always thought she was still out there mm -hmm. I, I do. And I remember there was a few years back, the, a big development was that they did a major search of a body of water in the woods behind her school. Yeah. I've never, they've never said what led them to do that, but they didn't find anything. And I, I think remember, just to cover all their bases. Yeah. Must they, have been. yeah. That, that would make sense. But I, I, um, I remember when that was going on and thinking like, Oh, could this be it? Cause if, if, if um, just getting back to the idea that if she wanted to take her own life, I don't know if this would be common for a 16 year old who does it, but I know for some people there's this idea, I think they call it suicide tourism. And it's the idea that you don't want to do it where people you know and love are going to have to find you and be affected. So you would go, you know, I'm going to go to 
I want to do it, but I don't want my family to find me. So I'm going to get a hotel in another city and let the cleaner there find me. You know, that sort of idea. Oh, wow. Okay. I've never heard of this, but yeah. yes, but it, it makes it, sense. I think that's like, it's a common thing. Um, but I yeah. think it, it wouldn't, I, I, I'm no expert, but I can't imagine it's common for a 16 year old. And I also. Well, and why wasn't she found? Yeah. If a 16 year old is found dead in a hotel somewhere, they're not just going to be like, oh that's it <laughs> right um, or even you know even if she was found in a in a body of water whatever mm. like that's nothing has been found mm -hmm. to our knowledge yeah and i discount the idea of suicide because of simply the, the thing she was doing that day if she wanted to commit suicide why does she need this money the night before like you got to get me to the bank tomorrow morning i'm going to line up while they open yeah. and get that money asap that doesn't make sense the carrying the big bag around doesn't make sense. And yeah. most of all, ravenously texting and talking onto the phone to some unidentified person. Whoever, yeah. if they can, if they can figure out who she was talking to, they know what happened to her. I'm sure that would break the case open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Her, her mom, when I had spoke to her, her mom had talked about the um, virtually impossible battle to get access to data related to these um I keep calling them like anonymous messaging apps. But what I mean is that like for people who aren't phone savvy, like you can make a call on your phone, you can send a text message through your phone, or you can download an app that allows you to do it. These apps, it, it, they're not based in Canada. So you can't like, you know, get a court order to access their stuff. It could be some company based out of God knows where that has no relationship with Canada that may not even maintain records for what people do on their service. Like it's like, and even if they do, they're not keeping them for long. Yeah. They're definitely not they're, keeping them for yeah. six years or however long it's no. been. Um, so I think if they could get access to her phone and figure out who she was talking to, they would, they would have done, we wouldn't have been talking. We wouldn't be talking about this six years later. No, absolutely not. They would at least um, have a, they'd have, have a strong direction that she was, uh, that uh, the case was pointing in, no doubt. Those messaging apps are a predator's dream. Mm -hmm. Like the internet is such a wonderful place, but also such an evil place. Yeah. I, I, use, I use Telegram sometimes. And oh, yeah. That's that's one of those apps where yeah. you can send messages. It's all anonymous. It's behind a VPN, so I don't even think the like the FBI could figure out what you're doing on there. But um, wow. it's like it's a cesspool, and that's where extreme people doing extreme things that you know that aren't welcome on the mainstream social media platforms and stuff. They're on there, and I'm sure yeah. there are people on you know, Telegram and WhatsApp and stuff who will see a profile picture of a 15 or 16 year old girl and they think, here we go. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And if I've learned anything, and I think I've said this before, it's truth is truly stranger than fiction. Mm -hmm. And people are weird. So yeah, <laughs> well yeah, said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think Michaela's case, it's, it's so troubling, because again, there's it just seems like it could have been anyone who responded to the wrong message or believed the wrong lie and just maybe agreed to do something that they had doubts about. And next thing you know, six yeah. years pass and your family's looking for you. Totally. And I think it's the whole and small town. It's hard to believe something like this happened in New York and of all places. Yeah. But Yorkton also people. Yeah. But it's I, I think if we could get to the truth of what happened here, 
I think this story doesn't take place in Yorkton. I think, no, you're right. I think it takes place in the internet. That's, yeah. That's no, my, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And sadly, like Yorkton's, I'm sure, a nice little town, but they're connected to the internet that all the same internet that all these lunatic, pedophile, extorter, awful, evil yeah. people are. And, and they're everywhere. They walk among us. Yeah. And it's, yeah. again, um, you look at, I mentioned Amanda Todd's case. That's a perfect yeah. example where a man on the other side of the world tortured a young Canadian woman to the point that she killed herself. And well, and see, that just goes to show how powerful just speaking is. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't have to know this person mm -hmm. to, you know, sometimes, you know, you feel closer to the friends you've met on the Internet than your real friends mm -hmm. in real life. You know, your people you meet on the Internet haven't had a chance to bother you and upset you to the extent that your best friends do. True. Sadly, like there's a lot of new information, a lot of updates since I last covered it. None of them bring us anywhere closer to Michaela. I think these updates and this new information, looking for a hotel specifically, all. Uh, and I, I also think when I first talked to her mom back then, I don't know if we knew about the help me message. That may even have been, or maybe that, I, I don't recall if that was in the cards at the time. But regardless, I think all this new information just makes the day and the whole event even more puzzling. Yeah, it's well, and it's just it's bizarre. And no one wants to believe that some something like this can happen. And that a 16 year old can just vanish and never be found. Mm -hmm. Even when the best efforts are being put forth mm -hmm. with um, huge rewards, I think $100,000 reward right now, her family and supporters have been steadfast in their pursuit of her and in raising awareness for her disappearance. Also, with her being a minor, there's additional resources that they have that a lot of other missing person cases don't have. The, uh, Michaela Bali's family has received a lot of support from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, the NCMEC. Yes. Um, and they only get involved in cases for people under 16 or 16 and under, I think. And they okay. took on Michaela's case and helped... Um, kind of facilitate other law enforcement agencies in the US and abroad getting involved okay. in the case because there have been hundreds of tips, hundreds of uh there's been speculated tips from sightings. Colombia and yeah. Scotland. Yeah, and all a over the world. Ship. Like that's mm -hmm. just and and maybe that's what makes what leads me to believe maybe she's still out there. Mm -hmm. But it's it's hard to say and I I can't believe her mom personally went down to east side vancouver and looked for her herself numerous times yeah i like man, when you read about and talk about and learn about canadian missing persons cases it's shocking how often the lower east side of vancouver comes up it almost seems like if something yeah. if someone's missing you first need to see if they're there and then you can check the other places <laughs> like it's yeah. That, that is, oh man, the, the social problems that are happening in Canada seem to find themselves under a magnifying glass on the Lower East Side of Vancouver. But yeah, of course, there's been sightings of Michaela there, um, but none confirmed. None of these none. sightings or tips from all over the world have ever led to anything. I was going to say, I don't even think a tip has led to another tip. Mm -hmm. They've all been dead ends. Yeah, it's everything we know is from texts she sent her friends before her disappearance and what is seen in these cctv 
video uh, video sightings um, yeah. from the Tim Hortons and you know and around town. It's like everything else is speculation, and it's shocking that that can happen. If she left, she uh, we talked about the bus station a lot, but I don't think we we specifically said. They say she did not buy a ticket anywhere, did not get on a bus. But at the same time, maybe someone else bought the ticket. I, I don't know if you buy a ticket in your name when you get on a bus. Like on an airplane, you would. But I don't Hard think on say. a bus. But Yeah. I think you can buy it with cash, can't you? I would think yeah, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they would need your name. And even if they did, I'm sure you could use a fake one. Yeah, exactly. Either way, they say they don't believe she got on a bus or bought a ticket. I but think she was picked up from there. Hey, I'm at the bus station. Or meet car. me at the bus station. Yeah. yeah. And again, a witness saw her leaving the bus station in the last right. thought to be true sighting. Yeah. Where she went, I only hope we find out. Yeah. Hello, listeners. Sorry to pull you out of the episode like this, but I want to take a moment and remind you of the benefits of a nighttime premium feed subscription. First of all, I release the episodes ad-free and two days early on the premium feed, which gives you the show quicker and a lot less painfully. Secondly, I maintain a full back catalog of nighttime episodes and countless hours of bonus content only on the premium feed, so to give you more of the show than any sane person would probably even want to listen to. And the third thing, premium feed subscribers who do so annually get a discounted rate and receive a free swag pack by mail. Who doesn't love mail? And lastly, but hopefully most importantly, the premium feed will fund the creation of the show. My mics, my laptop, the little lights on my desk, it's all paid for by the combined efforts of the premium feed subscribers. So if any of this sounds good to you, for about the price of a cup of coffee, you can go premium right now at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. I want to thank you for considering it. Now, Maddie, you're always working on videos and cases. Do you got anything else to tease? Anything going on? You got the holidays coming. Maybe that'll take you away from true crime content. It is a little bit. And I've been, yeah, I've been really dawdling the last couple, well, last week-ish. So I just decided yesterday I'm going to chill for the rest of the year. I'm going to work on... That Stop sounds so lazy. I'm gonna chill. For, I'm gonna chill for the rest of the year. <laughs> but it, it it's December fifteenth. So there's only that, two weeks left. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out for the next couple weeks and just try and get organized and get some research done, and try and backlog some cases. And yeah, 2023 yeah. is gonna be fantastic. I'm looking super forward to collaborating with you more. Woo! So, and that's, that's another thing, another reason I'm taking a couple of weeks off. I want to get all my ducks in a row for our podcast and yeah. So and more, what are you more coming Santa in the for? new year. Are you asking Santa for anything? Does he still look after you? He does. Okay. I get spoiled every year. Good. Um, and this year I asked for a 20 ounce Yeti in white and an immersion blender. What's a 20 ounce Yeti? In it's white? just a coffee cup. Just a coffee cup, and it keeps my coffee warm all day from 7.30 to 4. Oh, wow. So okay. it's fantastic, yeah. Okay. But and and then an immersion that, blender. I have one of those. I love those. I adore making soup, so I'm like, okay. I need one of these. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love them because you don't have to it, – it 
makes less dishes because I could, if I'm making a smoothie or something, I can just throw it all in the cup, use my immersion blender, and it's right? like I'm done. Rinse the thing oh, off. And... I love my blender. I Santa also brought me my me my blender a couple years ago, um, but it's just such a bitch to clean <laughs> I know. and it's loud. Yeah. So yeah. Good. So this is Christmas at almost thirty. Uh, oh. An immersion blender and a coffee cup. You're growing. You changed, <laughs> man. Well, what about thanks. you? What are you asking? I am asking for world peace world peace and some free time <laughs> amen um, to that like you i'm taking a little bit of time off um i'm gonna not release any episodes the week of christmas and i'm one of the like i'm a workaholic so for me to take a week off is like that's huge uh i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm probably just gonna sit around and worry i guess that's what i would just do with my free time i'm gonna that's, just be nervous that's about what things. i do all the time I'd be awkward <laughs> around, around my worry. family well, it's, yeah. it's time to put your regular anxiety away and get out your fancy Christmas anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to it. Well, I wish you a happy holiday. And thanks for joining me again for uh, another dark story. I feel horrible for Michaela's family and for Michaela. And I hope we do another episode to provide a happy ending to this one. That'd be something. That would be nice. I want to thank you for joining Maddie and I for our discussion surrounding the disappearance of Michaela Bali. For those listening who want to learn more about Michaela's case, I've added a link in the episode description that'll get you to the Facebook group devoted to the search for her. Additionally, I've added a link to my past discussion with Michaela's mom, Paula. I highly recommend you listen if you haven't heard that yet. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode, but before we part, I want to give thanks. First, a big thanks to Madeleine Klein for sharing an evening with me and with you, the listeners at nighttime. I'd also like to thank Monty Data, who contributes the music for this episode, and LJ from the Dystopian Simulation podcast, who provides the intro and outro voiceovers. But the biggest thanks of all goes to everyone who listens to nighttime, as without your interest and your support, nighttime would be both pointless and impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please subscribe to the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and maintain a full back catalog of episodes only on the premium feed. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep the show alive at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And with that said, let me thank the newest subscribers. Unhinged, Donna, and Elizabeth, thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it by way of a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If there's a Canadian missing persons case you'd like to hear featured on the series, please let me know at nighttimepodcast at gmail.com. Also, as I prioritize cases submitted by friends and family, be sure to fill me in if you have a connection to the story, a connection to the case. And anyone listening who wants to contribute a voice memo, share a story idea, or give feedback on the show, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com. I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Have you, I, I, I know you watch true crime documentaries, true crime shows. Have you watched anything, any, either crime related or not? Have you been binging anything that you want to tease? I haven't actually. The last thing 
uh, related I would have watched is I'm a Stalker on Netflix, which oh. was super good. Told from and the then, point of view of a stalker? From both sides. Oh. oh, it was great. And sometimes the stalker is still in jail. Oh, yeah. And you don't know till the end. But through, but when you think back, it's like he always did have this kind of gray suit on. You know, when you watch a oh. documentary and it's not until like later that the Oh, cameras... no, it's like obvious they're in jail. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. You right. know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I started um, Wednesday. Wednesday Adams. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. I had my doubts. I saw so many people like writing positive things about it online. I was like, I'll just watch it. Uh, I Five minutes into the first episode, I'm like, this is my favorite show ever. It's basically oh. like gothic Harry Potter or something, I suppose. Interesting. I know I'll like it. I just got to get into it. Okay. Hi. Her name is Elspeth. Elspeth Tassiolini. You know her as the offbeat but brilliant defense attorney from The Good Wife and The Good Fight. You've been a very busy little bee. Buzz, buzz. Now, she's in New York with the NYPD. This is very different. Better. But still using her unconventional ways to find the truth. You're trying to sniff me, Miss Tassioni? <laughs> Elspeth, new series Thursdays on Global. Stream on Stack TV.